Hello, and thank you for joining us yet again for That Solo Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. People like me, Michelle Kane, and my company is Voice Matters. And as always, my ever-present fabulous co-host here, Karen Swim. She is the glue that keeps us all together at Solo PR Pro. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hi, Michelle. How are you doing? This glue is a little less sticky this week, but but I'll get there. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. I know. I know. I feel like I've been reorganizing for the past two weeks just because, you know, I want to clean slate with the new year. Oh, wait, sure. I can get that to you. <laughs> yeah. It's it's ongoing, ongoing. Um, it's just our lives here in this business. What can we say? It's the job. It's yeah. the job. I would say it's the nature of the beast. But uh, yeah. we are off to a really interesting start of the year. But this month, we are talking back to basics, because January is always a good month to to hit the reset button and go back to like your systems and processes and start all over again. Exactly. We're going to talk about contracting. Yes, as, as the, the rally cry in the Solo PR Pro Premium group is always, get up in writing. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, yeah, when membership opens up again, you'll be able to have access to a wonderful resource called just that. But it's important, you know, I mean, just to protect yourself and really to protect your client. It's all about managing those expectations and outlining the scope and, and doing it in some way in writing. So at least you have something that you've, you know, you've both agreed upon and the terms are clear and it's really, so you don't find yourself on the other side in some sticky situations. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's always questions that come up um, from, you know, not just our own um, group, but from, you know, independent practitioners. And I think, you know, maybe not so much agencies, but independent practitioners, micro agencies around this whole contracting process. You know, there's always terms that a client will come up or, you know, what do you negotiate and how do you think? I think one of the most important things, and and we can't say this enough because some people have been in this business for a long time. And so they were accustomed to doing things on a handshake. Mm. Get it in writing really means get it in writing. And that means having a formal agreement. Now, that agreement does not have to be this 40 page, you know, legalese document. It can be as simple as a letter agreement. Mm -hmm. But it really is important to document what you're going to do, who you're doing it for, the price that they are expected to pay for it, how quickly they're expected to pay for it. And have some terms. And as Michelle said, this is to not only protect yourself, but to protect your client as well by having everything documented. Mm-hmm. It does not have to be this complicated process. Even when you're working with a big client that has a huge legal department, they're accustomed to working through this stuff pretty quickly. I you right. know, I have contracts with big companies and it really has sometimes been a lot faster and simpler dealing with them than smaller companies. And so, you know, don't, don't be afraid of a contract and and you need a contract and you're not, you just don't get the contract and forget to have it countersigned. You need a signed contract. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Even your letter of agreement have, you know, upon signature of this letter and return to me, work begins. And I even 
lay this out in my proposals at, at the end of the proposal, after the budget, I have a section called terms. You know, we work upon letter of agreement and, and outline the same things that I would outline in the letter, you know, payment is this, but, 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 yeah, those are words, but <laughs> yeah, but you know, just, it's just so we both know, okay, this is how this is going to work because my goodness, imagine if you didn't, and, and you just send someone the invoice and you just wonder, well, goodness, where's my check? And, you know, you might not get paid in 90, 100, you don't know, because no ground rules were set. I mean, that's really all it is, is, is good housekeeping, setting the ground rules of, of how you and the client are going to engage with each other and yeah. to make sure that you get paid for the work that you are providing. Yeah, and I, I want to say that our pro premium members, because this is always, it's an evergreen topic, it's a big thing for everyone, we have this get it in writing book. You don't have to be a member to get the get it in writing ebook, but to get the customizable contracts, you do need to be a member because there's a different version of it. We actually had an attorney draft these for us um, so that they would be, you know, nice and tight and not something that we created. So an attorney really created these for us. But as a solo, you can also have your own attorney um, create standard agreements for you, um, customized to your situation that you can use. Now, what I find is that 99% of the time, I, I'm, I get to use my own contract, which is fabulous. Um, occasionally you'll have a company that has their own contract. Sometimes mm -hmm. people will ask like, you know, do you have a contract that you'd like to use or do you want to use ours? It's always better for me when I use my own contracts because I know what my contracts say and I've already put in all the protections that I need. And I, I really have never had a problem. And again, Michelle, you hit on such a key point. It's this communication in advance, you know, talking about the stuff before you ever get here, you know, who do I need? You know, can you give me an accounting contact? Who, what should, you know, how does your accounting process work? Right. How should I submit my invoices? Some companies have very strict procedures around how invoices should be submitted and when, and when they pay. And this is a big, big thing that comes up with contracts that people ask about payment terms. You know, what are typical payment terms? It's not uncommon to have a 30-day net. It really is not uncommon. Some right. clients are going to have longer terms. So you have to really decide whether or not you can accept that. Sometimes those terms are non-negotiable. I've worked with right. clients where they said, we understand that it's a long wait, but we're just being honest with you. We never pay before 45 days. If you, mm -hmm. you know that going into it, you can plan ahead for it. Right. Right. And if they say 90 days, don't just accept that to be true. Push back and say, Hey, you know, as a solo, I get that you're, you know, probably used to dealing with vendors that, you know, can carry three months you know, is there any way that you guys can take that down? Don't be afraid to negotiate when some when a client gives you a term. I wish that I could just encourage everyone that just because you're an independent doesn't mean that you don't have any leverage. Um, I see this, you know, with people in employment offers too. They're afraid to negotiate because they think that negotiating means that the offer is going to be rescinded. I don't know where that that fear comes from. 
but it's not true. They want you negotiate, negotiate the money, negotiate your vacation, negotiate everything. It is very possible to get more. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a solo, you need to have that same attitude. It's not, you, you shouldn't be afraid to speak up and ask for something different because you're leaving things on the table. Just ask if it's not possible, your client will tell you, well, we'd love to do that. We can't. And then you get to decide whether or not this contract is worth it to take on those terms or if it's something you need to walk away from. Right, right. I mean, you know, as with anything, it's always a no until you ask. Um, And I know we've had this come up in our group discussions, too. Uh, You know, so there's a couple of ways not around it. But, you know, if you want to get paid sooner, arrange it. Uh, as a retainer concept, you know, where you, you get paid for a block of time ahead. And if then even if the 30 day issue is 30 days is an issue, then well, okay, we'll start work. See in a month, you know, as soon as payment is received. Now, granted, in our business, things are often timely. So that may not be feasible. But if it is feasible, know that you have that option to just say, well, okay, then then we'll We'll start the project on this date. And- Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's groundwork that you can do um, leading up to that. But yeah, I agree. You can be creative and resourceful around that. Um, I know that questions also often spring up about out clauses. That That's a big one that comes up so frequently. What yeah. is an out clause? I've seen solos do, you know, 60 days which, you know, typical is 30 or 45 days. But the point is, is that you want to have something in your contract that doesn't, where someone can't just come today and say, right. yeah, you know what, we think we're going to pull the plug on PR and then you're done. Because right. again, you want to protect yourself when you are working with a client in an, and it's an ongoing client and you have a monthly budget you actually are planning your calendar ahead of time and you're planning around, you know, you're blocking out time for this client. And so if it is the 25th of January and they want to end at the end of the month, that means you have open time in February that you didn't get to account for. Right. Granted, that is the risk that we all take as solos. So, you know, outside of that, that's why it's so important to make sure that you have a financial cushion um, or at least a backup plan. Like some people have courses that they offer, or maybe you do something on the side in addition to your business, or maybe you have products that you sell, but you need to protect your income in some way. So that, cause there's going to be ebbs and flows and a climate loss should, you don't want that to take you down. And I understand that if you're just starting out, that's hard. All the more reason to make sure that you have these protections in place ahead of time. So 30 days is reasonable, but you know what? You could do 45, you could do 60. You know, I've seen people do 60 and then on a client by client basis, sometimes the client is like, is there any way that we could do less than that? Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's driven by a board of directors. And so sometimes they're bringing, you know, it in house. And so, you know, but having it in writing and having them agree to it at least gives you that documented protection of your income. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and and that's the primary thing. You know, make sure that you include in this communication 
all of these aspects, you know, all of the, the nuts and bolts, you know, because I know it's so tempting to just because, again, we love what we do. We're a bunch of do-gooders <laughs> who love to help people. But please make sure that you have this the, all those protections in place and that it is countersigned before you begin work because you just never know. You never know. I mean, someone can just say, oh, you know what? I changed my mind this isn't working or, and you just think, wait, what? Hold on. But, you know, but I wrote this draft for you. Well, that's on me if I didn't get that counter signature, you know. And make sure that if you have expiration dates in your contract, mm. that you don't forget to renew them. Oh, that's um, a great. Yes, that's so true. I had a really rough into the year and I had a client contract that was expiring. Thank God for my wonderful clients. My client was like, slacked me and said, Hey, do we need to do a new agreement? I'm like, Ooh, let me check. I checked. <laughs> so we got that sucker signed and, you know, like we got the new 2022 agreement in like 10 minutes. And I'm like, thank you God for, you know, clients that are actually looking out for this kind of thing, because my yeah. mind was, you know, I lost the month of December basically. And, and yeah. my brain still is not back to fully functioning. And so yeah. Um, just as a reminder to all of you, if you need to put a date on your calendar, you know, so that you don't forget it, you know, about a month before your contract renewal, I would say actually try to get it done at least 60 days in advance. Um, make sure you do that because it's, it's easy to like, forget that, Ooh, I need to get a new contract signed and, um, if you laugh and you're still working, you've lost all that protection because that contract is no longer valid. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something to consider as well. Um, even in your proposals, you know, because we know sometimes people can come in hot and heavy and just think, Oh, I want this. I want to work now and blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, you're not hearing from them. It's been a month or six weeks. So it's, it's not out of order to just say, you know, this proposal is a, everything outlined in this proposal is good until, you know, X date, even if that's a three month window, because that also gives you the opportunity to revisit it. If, you know, you don't hear from them in a while and, and it could be for a, a number of reasons, you know, things happen in life yeah. that have absolutely nothing to do with you, but you know, it's still Raise your like hand if you've ever had a prospective client just disappear and come back a year later and think that that same price I'm raising my <laughs> hand um, was valid. And and sometimes, you know, things change. Your business could change in a year. I mean, a lot can happen in a year, you know, maybe something that you, a service that you were offering last year, you've decided that you don't want to do that anymore. So maybe for example, social media was included and now you've decided that, nope, you'd want to stick to a, a smaller set of services. So I love that idea of putting an expiration date. I would say, you know, 60, 90 days is perfectly reasonable, like these terms. And then something that I used to do early on in my business is I actually had language at the bottom of the contract where they signed off agreeing to proceed, that they agreed to the proposal and the terms that were outlined because the proposal has the scope of work. It has the budget. Mm -hmm. And so I would have people sign off on that. And then we would proceed to the formal contract. So, you know, that's something else. I no longer do that, but I did it, you know, for the first few years of my business. And that was really helpful too, because you got commitment from people. Right. 
you know, when people are signing something, it, it is them saying, okay, yes, I'm committing to work with you. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes in my, I generally operate on letter of agreement and sometimes I'll do a short summary of the scope or I'll say, you know, per the attached scope and just stick yeah. it on there too. Just, because that also helps both of us remember, okay, what did I promise to do again? This is so true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I do is I lift right from the proposal in the scope of work. I lift it from the proposal, just copy it over. Yeah. Because honestly, this is why that's the part of the proposal that you really want to think through. You want to really think strategically about your scope of work. And you should be able to pull the scope of work from your proposal right into your contract document, whether it's an LOA or a full-on contract. You, you shouldn't be recreating the will. Um, they right. should already know exactly what you plan to do. And then that scope for for us also gets pulled into our first 90-day plan. Right. 100%. Yeah. So, you know, and, and also, you know, we, we know that we are legitimate businesses. I know the IRS knows I'm a business. You know, and sometimes <laughs> though as a solo, <laughs> sometimes as a solo, you know, you you may feel that you're not the same type of business as say, maybe the company you're going to be working with, but you are. And, you know, having these items in place helps not that you need to be legitimized, but I know sometimes mentally it puts you on the same playing field saying, yes, I too am a business entity here. These are my documents. This is how, you know, we will work together and we will respect each other as professional organizations. So I think sometimes that can help you mentally too, if, if that's something that's that's needed in your world. Absolutely. I, I think when one solo wins, we all win. I, yeah. you know, there's still a lot of misconceptions out there about solos and, and our capabilities. And yeah. I love dispelling those myths and yeah. reminding people that, that we offer the same exact services as everyone else. And yeah. we are just as good. And yeah it's not that we're competing against large agencies. We're not, you know, no. often we partner with large agencies. It's right. just that sometimes a solo, having a solo on board is the right fit for your business. Sometimes having a solo and a large agency is the right fit for your business. But right. I, you know, I hate for people to, to dismiss solos as the lesser option. We are not a lesser option. We are just an option, period. So I ran across this recently and someone was sort of dismissing solos into a different category. And I was very tactful about dismissing that because that, that diminishes what we do and our value. And, yeah. and Michelle is right. We shouldn't feel that. We are no different than any other business, period. Right. Right. Doesn't matter how the size of your business, you're a business. And you yeah. have to treat your business like a business and make sure that other people respect it as such as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it, you know, for, for those of us with a more integrated practice, you know, think about it. What does an agency do? Do they employ web developers? No, they probably have vendors that they work with, you know, um, sometimes if they have an in-house art department, Sometimes projects are big enough that they have to bring other people in. I know way back in the 90s, in my agency days, sometimes bigger projects, we, we brought freelancers in. So they were independent contractors, designers. And so it's the same thing. It's like, you know, I have I have my, my oh, my head don't have a good word for it right now. 
at my barn, my barn of vendors, my collection of vendors that I work with, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, so I do have an art department because I have people I, I reach out to, same thing for web and, and even SEO, SEM, that kind of thing, because trust, nobody is an expert on everything. So, you know, it's stronger, you're stronger and, and, be, and can be more valuable to your clients when you do have these fellow business owners to rely on and work together to, you know, achieve the goals. So, you know, and, and even with that, actually, not to delve too far into it, but even with that, not necessarily that you would have a letter of agreement, but something to touch on when you are working with fellow vendors, is it going to be, okay, are you going to invoice me? I know, you know, with, with some of my vendors, it's just easy peasy. Like, yeah, you know, here's kind of the budget I'm thinking of, just bill me for the work and I'll pay you. But with certain other ongoing things, you may need to do a letter of agreement between you and the vendor just to make sure everything's clear. Okay. This is how I'm getting paid. So this is how you're going to get paid, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I have independent contractor agreements. And then I put all my independent contractors into the payroll system that I use. Yeah, because that helps me to keep track and it makes everything nice and official. And I highly recommend that if you're working with other people on your team, you need to have them under contract too. And we can talk about that in a whole other episode about people and working with subcontractors and how to really scale up your business. If if that's your jam on how to extend your service that we, we definitely would love to cover that. Yeah. We really want you to know that we, we love helping solos and we love talking about these issues and helping to clear away, you know, any of your questions and be yeah. a resource for you. So if you have specific contract questions or questions about anything about the solo life, we, want you to, you know, get in touch with us. You know, you can reach out on our social media channels. You can reach out to us via email. Um, you can email info at soloprpro.com or, you know, again, we're solo PR pro on most of our social channels. So get in touch or drop yeah. a comment on the live stream. And we're happy to answer that because we love hearing from you guys. We sure do. And we thank you for spending your time with us today. And until next time, thanks for listening to That Solo Life.